A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. Let's talk U.S. politics with a man who knows the insides and outs of the U.S. political game, Steve Oaken, former Clinton administration official from the 1990s, now based in Singapore. As we get to know Beto O'Rourke, aiming to become the next U.S. president, Interesting, isn't it, Steve? He's uh, a guy that uh, comes from El Paso in Texas. He's 46 years of age, and he's one of uh, something like 15 Democrats already announcing their candidacy with more to come. Oh, I think we're going to get we're going to get 20 or so. And the big question, of course, is whether Joe Biden uh, is going to jump into the race. But, you know, Beto O'Rourke, very, very charismatic. Um, without a lot of a, a track record. Uh, he's a little bit of an open vessel where people can put what they want to see in a president upon him, which is kind of where Barack Obama was yeah. uh, in 2000 and, you know, in 2008. Yeah, look, I was wondering who to compare him to, whether it's you know, Barack Obama or Bill Clinton, your old boss. With Bill Clinton, I guess you've got the similarities of similar age, and they're both, I guess, from the South. Is I guess Texas is technically the South, although it's different, very much different to Little Rock, Arkansas, as a place. Um, but O'Rourke, they say, you know, he moves his hands a lot. That's what <laughs> Donald Trump uh, tried to criticize him. They said he, he, you know, he shares too much on social media. But let's let's get a bit of background about him, about who he is, and what he's done. Well, I mean, he's he's you know somewhat of a very attractive to millennials and to uh, you know Gen Xers. You know, he's he's in rock bands, but then he'll really share on social media. He'll go to get his teeth cleaned, and he'll get a picture. He'll I put a picture that. on yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah. of getting his teeth cleaned. Uh, he doesn't have a huge he doesn't have a huge track record, mm. right? On um, in in the Congress, he was the Democrats were in the minority. He was there for yeah. three terms. Uh, so again, it, it's something that he's charismatic. He speaks very well. He's a good-looking guy. Mm. He's tall. So he's from the South, or, or actually Texans would say they're from Texas, yes, not the South. Yeah, I would, yeah. What's the difference, you know, because, I mean, I lived in the South in the U.S. for a while. I lived in Atlanta, Georgia. I was in North Carolina for a while as well. But it is quite different, isn't it, when you go to Texas? They're their own breed. Well, they're, they're, they, they sometimes think of themselves as their own country. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, that's uh, right. In a way. I mean, it's it's the Lone Star State. Mm. I mean, they're they're very self-reliant. The Alamo, right? yeah. The Alamo, the Alamo and, yeah. You know, very independent. Um, I mean, it's, you know, obviously you've got the oil and you've got the ranchers, but you're down on the, um, you know, you're down on the Gulf. Yes. So it, it, it really covers uh, the, the wide range of things where you have very liberal places like mm. Austin to very conservative yes. places, yep. you know, like Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so it's been a, um, and so he has been able uh, to embody a lot of that, and, and which has made him very popular, even though he never couldn't win statewide in Texas. He's done better than any Democrat has done in, in years in mm. Texas. Yeah, let's talk about about that because that was in the midterm elections, wasn't it, where he actually challenged Ted Cruz, who was a massive favorite, but came very close to beating him, didn't he? Yeah, no, he, he lost by less than three points, um, which is a, a, a moral victory, certainly, uh, for a Democrat in Texas. And that close race is what has launched him um, into this candidacy mm. because he does not have the track record of a Bernie Sanders or an yeah. Elizabeth Warren, let alone a Joe Biden um, uh, if if he were to hop in, even a Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, they have more of a governing track record and mm. more of a background um, either in prosecuting or in in being you know a mayor. Uh, again, so he's a little bit of an open of a, of, a, of an open vessel that that people you know can say I'm in favor of change, mm. I'm in favor of a younger generation yeah. coming in, and he fits all of that. Yeah, but O'Rourke we're discussing, and he's running for the U.S. presidential race, hopes to be the Democratic 
nominee uh, that's coming up. That uh, a process. It's a long process. So, I mean, he's he's been married to uh, a lady called Amy. They've been married for since two thousand and five. They've got three kids. Uh, is he a rich kid? Is he, is he kind of like this Democrat who's kind of got a bit of a silver spoon in his mouth? I don't think he has a silver spoon. I think his wife might have. Right. But, right. But, uh, <laughs> he he didn't. I mean, he's you know, and he was you know, is it almost like in a punk band? And you yeah, know, he's. he's uh, the, I mean, he's going to come back to haunt him. These videos of him playing in a punk band. How would the the mainstream, you know, the um, uh, the church groups, what do they think about that? You know what? I, I think 10 or 20 years ago, it might have might have hurt you. Today, it doesn't anymore. People, mm. not you know, not people as old as I am, but people a little bit younger. I mean, they live their lives on, on social media. They share everything. Yeah. And so yeah. he's – if the Democrats want to nominate someone who's going to embody change and is going to embody a younger generation coming in – and Democrats have done this over the years. They did it with Bill Clinton. You know, they did it – uh, with with John Kennedy, if they do this again now, Better O'Rourke has a very good chance of winning. The question is: Is now the right time to elect somebody with absolutely no foreign policy experience, mm. with no real governing experience? Because being a minority in the House isn't that, and that's a question the Democrats are going to have to tease out in the, is this long process, as you mentioned. And he speaks fluent Spanish, I believe. Uh, El Paso, we know, is a, is a border town, and it's very much in the news, isn't it, with the U.S. Uh, Mexico border wall uh, discussion and that kind of controversy. And in fact, and when Trump had a, a rally to build the wall, you know, O'Rourke had a counter rally about being, you know, open and inclusive when it comes to immigration, but also being smart about border security. And he almost, you know, tied the president of the United States in terms of attracting uh, people to come to that as well as attention. So he's he is one that I think Donald Trump should should fear more than others when it comes to this race. And I think that's why you're struggling to see Trump come up with some type of nickname for him. You know, when he comes up with a good nickname and he can characterize somebody, it sticks and it hurts like Crooked Hillary. Yeah, right? yeah. Lion Ted Cruz and low energy yeah. Jeb and, <laughs> right? and Pocahontas. You come up oh. with all of them. But let's see if he can, if he can do that with O'Rourke. Mm. He's struggling to do that right now. Yeah. I mean, O'Rourke, uh, I think, is troubling Trump a little bit because we did see Trump mentioning his hand movements and and all that. But it is strange because Trump is, what, 73 in June. Here you've got a 46-year-old guy. They're different generations. Uh, it, it it almost seems like he you know he's like someone of his son's age, right? He's attacking, and that that's more di- tricky for him, isn't it? If it's against Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren, it seems like it's a more fair game. And and that's why I do think that the Democrats will go along what they historically do, which is nominate somebody really in their forties mm. um, to show that we need to have a, a generational change. And I think that matches up very well. Again, now there's others who think that that you need somebody who can go head to head with Trump on national security, uh, on experience, on actually having somebody who's run uh, a, a governmental entity, unlike Trump, who never did, and unlike O'Rourke, who never did. And that would lead you to a, you know, Biden is the is the top candidate if, if that's what yeah. you want. And look at the matchup when you compare it to, say, Bill Clinton against uh, George Bush, George Bush Sr. is similar, isn't it, in, in age? And even, I guess, John McCain against um, Barack Obama. You get, and, and, and that's the where – That's the matchup. And, the, and, and again, you go – you know, those two matchups, it's, it's a, the younger generation coming in, bringing in that energy, bringing in mm. that change that the, the – not the Democrats, but that the country wanted at that time. And if that sets up – 
this time, and it very well could, then somebody like O'Rourke or Harris, um, you know, or even Gillibrand, somebody like that could be um, the the nominee for the Democrats, mm-hmm. like the the mayor of South Bend. I mean, that's yeah. it's that young. He may be too young. I mean, he's in yeah. his 30s. <laughs> but that's that 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 yeah. that d- desire for change, I think, is going to be very strong this year or in this campaign. Well, we spoke about Jacinda Ardern in the previous segment. You know, she's 38. And yeah. uh, who would have thought that she would be – I know New Zealand's not the US, but it's still a reasonably you know, big country and significant country. And here she's had to deal with the, the massacres of, of, of Christchurch. Um, so I guess in this uh, social media age, there are openings for younger people, aren't there? I mean, there are. I, I think it's it's if you can take advantage of social media, you could take advantage of it as older or as younger. Obama took advantage of it. Trump took advantage of it. Um, O'Rourke clearly took advantage of it both in his in his Texas Senate race, which he lost to Cruz, and then also in his announcement so far. So O'Rourke could be that type of person that you see in in New Zealand, and but that you saw with Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. Mm. John Kennedy, yeah, you know, yeah. even, you know, going back to, to mm. 1960 where there was no social media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So look at some of the other challenges that Better O'Rourke faces. You mentioned the lack of foreign policy experience. Uh, but what about trying to really, you know, get those independents um, because he's a bit younger and, and maybe has that. He, he doesn't have that much authority. He's likable. He's charismatic. But he doesn't have that kind of clout, really, does he? Well, it, you got to remember that that the that the United States has an electoral college, and that right now, if the Democrats can hold the states that Hillary won and turn Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, maybe Arizona, maybe Iowa uh, to blue, um, then whoever that Democrat is wins. And I think that what Trump has done in terms of trade, what he's done, which has hurt the farmers greatly by pulling mm. out of TPP yeah. and being tariffs. in this yeah. tariffs um, where the farmers have borne the brunt of it with the, the the Chinese putting their tariffs on the U.S. agricultural goods, that there's an opening for any Democrat there. So I think that whoever can get through the democratic process, if they can appeal to those four states, then they're going to become the next president. So I don't know that, that there's a worry within the Democrats of who can appeal to independence. I mean, the people who are going to give the money and the people who are going to work, they're thinking very strategically. So do you think Better O'Rourke would uh, do well in these uh, states that are very crucial? I guess, was it, is it Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, North Carolina? Is it, what, is, what are some of the states that he would have to win? Well, th- no, th- th- those are the ones. It's, it's, the, it's the, you know, the former industrial Midwest mm. and some of the new West, you the know, like, like an, a, the Rust Belt, uh, a little bit of the Farm Belt and a little bit of, you know, of the, the Rocky Mountain West mm. uh, and the desert areas yeah. that, uh, that Clinton couldn't win. I mean, that's what the primaries are for. Yes. Right. The primaries are for trying to figure out who is it that the Democrats believe can beat Trump, because there's two ways Democrats go and they go back and forth during primaries. The first way is, do we nominate someone as Democrats who most represents the Democratic Party or which is going very left at the moment, very left at the moment? Or do we nominate somebody who can win? Is beating Trump the most important thing? And right now, a majority of Democrats saying, I don't care who we nominate so long as we nominate somebody who can beat Trump. And that may give you an O'Rourke over an Elizabeth Warren or Mm. a Harris over a Sanders. And so that's what is going to play out. And I do think that Beto O'Rourke is well positioned. Now, how he does in terms of fundraising, how he does during the debates, all of that is going we're going to find out over the next seven or eight months. It's going to be a fascinating time uh, in in U.S. politics. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that he's got a realistic chance, a big chance of, of being the Democratic nominee? 
For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, I think the Democrats have to decide. They have two questions to ask them th- themselves. First, do we nominate somebody who we think has the best chance to win or do we nominate somebody who's more where we are as a party? So that's question number mm-hmm. one. Uh, and then question number two is if you do believe it's going to be somebody who can beat Trump, do we want somebody with foreign policy experience and executive experience or do we want somebody who excites us the most? And so that's the two questions that, that have to get answered. O'Rourke wins if it's we want somebody who can beat Trump and excites us. Mm, definitely. He loses if it's we want somebody who can beat Trump but is experienced and has executive experience. And then he loses out to, to somebody mm. like, like Joe Biden. Um, and so that's where we don't, we, we don't know what the Democrats are going to think. And we don't even know if Biden's in the race yet uh, or mm. not. Your old friend Bill Clinton, he didn't have much foreign policy experience, did he, uh, when he uh, you know, became the Democratic nominee? How did he manage? Well, almost no – and that's the question. Almost no president has ever been elected because of their foreign policy mm. experience, with one exception, and that probably was General Eisenhower right. Right, coming out of, <laughs> right, in 1952. Yeah, yeah. So putting that exception aside, nobody comes in with foreign policy experience. You're typically governor uh, when you come in, and that doesn't really give you foreign policy experience. The question is, are we in such a a unique time with all of the difficulties going on in the world with the shift, you know, from a you know, from from the Cold War to a uni, you know, to a bipolar world to a unipolar world. Now we don't know what we're in, and and it's a very a very unsettling time from a foreign policy perspective. Is this the one time the Americans are going to say we want to have somebody with foreign policy experience because that's important to us? They haven't said it really since mm. 1952. Mm. So is it going to be you know 60 years later nearly before the Americans say that again? It, unknown, but. I tend to think that history is going to show that a foreign policy experience isn't going to matter to the Democratic nominee. So what's the next milestone in this process as far as the uh, Democratic uh, hopefuls go? Well, there's, there's two things to watch. One is how much money do they raise? Um, and, and, you know, raising money is a, a sign that you are exciting people. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that you raise more money than anybody else, especially if you do it with a lot of low-dollar low donations that come in from a broad swath of people. Right now, O'Rourke is, is doing very well in that regard. So that's one. When the debates start to happen, how do they do during the debates? Who, who falls off? And then because um, people will have to fall off, the, the field will winnow. And as the field winnows down, who is it that, that other people pick up? During the Republican debates or during the Republican nomination uh, last time, mm-hmm. everyone felt, well, when, you know, Bush, you know, drops out, his people will go to Kasich or mm-hmm. right when Rubio drops out, his people will go to Kasich or mm-hmm. when Cruz drops. Nobody's everybody <laughs> didn't do that. It no. all they all went to Trump. Yeah. And so we have to see what's going to happen. Left field, didn't he? Everybody said Trump can't win mm-hmm. because when the field consolidates, Trump will stay with his 20 percent and somebody else will end up with 40 or 50 percent. Never happened. Never, ever happened. What's going to happen with the Democrats when they start to drop out? Where are those voters going to go? So we, we want to watch those couple of trends. So I think it's the debates. Um, we watch the polling when, when the field starts to naturally narrow down. And then we watch the money. Um, right now, O'Rourke's doing very well um, with regards to raising the money. 
no debates yet. No one's dropped out yet. So that's the next thing to watch. And the first primary is when? Oh, not in Iowa, not until 2020. <laughs> so we've got a long ways, uh, a long ways to go till we get to, to Iowa and New Hampshire, which are the, the, the first caucus and the first primary. Okay. Looking forward to seeing what happens with Beto O'Rourke from Texas. Uh, Steve, thanks again. We really enjoy your insights on U.S. politics. Come back again soon. You know, we'll have a lot of U.S. <laughs> politics to talk about this year. Thank you. Thank you.